You are listening to the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show podcast on Gear 30 Radio. Adventure for your ears. Shop Gear 30 premier mountain equipment and improve your outdoor experience. Gear 30 Radio! We have Greg Reynolds with us. Greg is an employee of Gear 30 and also now a finisher of a 100-mile ultra and you had quite a bit of time to train for this. I mean, ultra is a big deal. So you're gonna, what you're gonna do is you're gonna plan all summer for like three, four months. You're gonna train for this, and you're gonna start with smaller races, maybe a minimum 50k. Minimum four months, I would think. Minimum four I would months. Think, yeah. So uh, yeah, tell us about your rigorous training schedule. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, <coughs> my training schedule started about three weeks before the race. Three weeks, not months. About three weeks before the race, I signed up for the race. Well, you had a big base, right? I, yeah. uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I I signed up for the race and then uh, went for a few runs and then decided to taper. (laughs) (laughs) Taper for the race. five-day taper? Yeah, so I I went on, uh, yeah, a couple 12-mile runs, a couple six-mile runs, and then I just kind of... Relax. So Ate a lot of a lot of junk food. I'm doing the math in my head right now. <laughs> times twelve goes into a hundred. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, what, what honestly, what was your longest training run? Well, um, back in May, I did an 18 mile run. In May. May. And this, and the bear was uh, last, last weekend. weekend. Yeah. So that was that probably built a good foundation to last throughout the summer. Yeah. So. Yeah. A lot of people ask me, like, how do you expect to finish when you haven't been running all summer? And um, It's a good question. But uh, (laughs) um, the thing with the bear is the bear is a lot of up and down, uh, hiking up hills, uh, up mountains, and then jogging down the other side. And there really isn't a whole lot of flat. And uh, there's not a ton of... Uh, real like runnable terrain it's either you're running downhill or you're hiking uphill and I've been hiking for most of my life and I've done plenty of hiking this summer so I felt like the hiking aspect of it the uphill aspect of it I'd probably be fine Uh, I have done some running um, uh, and so I figured I could I could if anything I could jog slowly down the hills walk the flats and the uphills if I needed to so I was pretty confident that it was going to hurt, but I could finish 100 miles when I signed up for it. It was kind of on a whim. I, I had planned on running this race at the beginning of the summer. I ran, trained for a couple months and um, and back in May and June, early June, and then I got injured. <clears throat> Took a few months off to kind of recover from the injury and, uh, and then did the race. So, um, And you finished. I did finish. Did was, you did you fat. consider dropping at any point? No. Um, you and a few others bet me money that uh, that I couldn't finish, just to kind of motivate me to finish. And so there was no no option in my mind for for quitting um, when it, I started. Didn't know it, money was that big of a motivator. No, it wasn't there. money. It was pride. It was yeah, it was right. the pride. Um, so. <laughs> Quitting really wasn't an option for me, and uh, I think I had you at 80 miles, and I thought you'd be lucky to get there. Yeah. Um, so I was—I felt great up 
through mile 80. Um, mile 85, my knee started hurting. Mile 88, my IT band really um, flared up, and and it was pretty difficult at that point. To I couldn't run anymore. Uh, walking was hurt, so I kind of limped the last 12 or so miles. But, but what's what's crazy is that you're saying I felt good up to 80 in your longest ever. So you've ran trail marathons before. Yeah. And but your longest race ever was a trail marathon. Is that correct? Yep. Before this, so so every mile after twenty six two was a personal record as a race. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so did that did that motivate you th- it, to help you like oh this is further than I've ever gone before further than, you know I'm now I'm at fifty and now I'm at sixty. No, I well. I mean, had I thought of it that way, I'm sure it would have motivated me. I didn't think about it that way at all during the race. I uh, honestly, I just I looked at the race as race from aid station to aid station. Just start at mile one, get to mile ten where the first aid station was, and then to mile twenty where the second, and the mile twenty-four, and then mile thirty-ish, and so on. Just go aid station to aid station, eat the elephant and a bite at a time, and. Um, so that helped me to kind of wrap my head around a hundred miles, just going aid station to aid station. Um, it also helped. I think I, my plan was to go out really slow. Um, a lot of friends told me who had run these races have told me people make the mistake of going out too fast and then really struggling the second half. You're of the a race. competitive person. Was that hard to do to watch people pass you? <clears throat> yes, it was very difficult. I think by mile. 40 or so I was probably in the probably I don't know last 10 uh in in all the runners except for those that had dropped out by that point so which speak there was a lot of dropouts there's a lot of did not finishes uh maybe boy I counted almost 70 of the 300 field didn't finish did you know that there were that many people dropping as you were going I didn't no I I knew just a couple people when I hit mile 50, a couple people I saw drop. Um, one of my friends that I had run with up through mile 50 dropped to mile 61. Um, I didn't know there were that many people that had dropped. Um, saw a lot of carnage on the trail. People doubled over, struggling, um, freezing cold. Uh, but I just, yeah, I wasn't aware. And I, what was interesting is I think in a normal 100-mile race, they have maybe 10 to 15% dropout rate. Um, of the 300 people that signed up for the race, I think about 170 actually finished, 160-something. So um, it was a pretty high percentage rate of dropouts or, right. not, or did not start. But that – so, I mean, this was your, your first 100, but for others it was maybe the weather and mixed with the terrain that right. made it so hard? Yeah, I would, I'd imagine so. It was cold. It was uh, windy. Um, yeah, it's the, snow. It was snowy. Um, it didn't snow a lot on us, but there was snow on the trail. The trails were slick in places. Trails are very, very muddy in places. From mile 44 up to mile 51 is a long uphill climb up to Tony's Grove. And that was very muddy and very slick and exhausting. Um, a lot of people dropped out at mile 51. So... Um, the conditions um, of the course and the weather and stuff, I think, is what 
really made the race miserable for some people and, and made them not want to finish. The hard part about 100 miles, I think, is the just the mental aspect. If you allow yourself to think about quitting, you'll end up quitting. Uh, you just can't even let it enter your mind. and So that's where I got lucky. So again, we're here with Greg Reynolds of Gear 30, who just completed his first 100-mile race with very little training. Um, going into, uh, is this it, one and done? You got more coming up? No, what are you I'll, thinking? I'll do some more. Yeah? It was fun, yeah. Good. Uh, so possibly a hard rock? I hope so. I'd, yeah, if I can get in. It's it's a pretty difficult one to get into. Do you think you'll maybe change your training schedule at all? Yep. <laughs> yeah. You could I, do it in two weeks. <laughs> I'm just suggesting. Hard rock might be a two-week training, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think... I would never suggest to anybody that they go and do a 100-mile race without training for it. And I think it's I think it's uh, unfair to say that I didn't train for it. Um, it's that I didn't train for it in the way that most people train for their races. It was very non-traditional. Right. Very, I mean, there's a lot of times you'll spend, yes, months, four months, and your long runs you'll do back-to-back, -back, you know, long 20 to 30 on a Saturday and then follow it up with another 20 on a Sunday just to get your legs used to turning over when they're really tired, uh, but none of that. And so talk to me about nutrition and and clothing. It was cold, and I, I think a lot of the racers quit maybe because they were cold or hypothermic. Is there some things that you did that worked for you that maybe you saw other runners not doing and, and maybe that's why they dropped? And what would you uh, wear or do differently? Obviously, yeah. for next time. As, as far as layering goes in apparel, um, I don't think I would change a single thing um, if I were to do the same race again. Um, I was I was comfortable. I never at any time got too warm or too cold. Um, I had I wore a long sleeve a long sleeve wool shirt, um, merino wool shirt for the first 44 miles, and then I had a light wind shirt that I could throw over that if it got really windy, which I pulled out once. Then from mile 44 to 51, I threw a lightweight um, wind shirt. Uh, Is that the vaporize? Uh, no, I didn't hit, do that until mile 51. Um, I did, it was an outdoor research, just kind of a, a real light, stretchy, hooded jacket that I used for that, that next section. The sun was going down by that point, so it had cooled off a lot, and that was helpful to to kind of cut the wind a little bit. Then from 51 till about mile 85 or, or so, I used the Rab Vaporize um, jacket with the hood, and that was perfect over just a long sleeve base layer. Um, with the hood on, it was warm in the coldest conditions. With the hood off, halfway unzipped, it was perfect for the warmer conditions. I just, I never, never got sweaty, never overheated, never got cold. When you say the coldest conditions, what, what do you think it dropped down to? Um, I think the ambient temperature was low 20s, high teens, plus wind. It's chilly. Um, so I think, I think in places because of wind chill, it was probably down in the single digits with wind chill, but... Um, probably about 20 degrees was as cold. Your hands get cold. You wear gloves. I Ears. wore I wore just glove liners, um, and as long as I was moving, that was fine. My hands never got cold. I was always using poles, um, and did you use I poles did. the whole run? I did. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Yep. I uh, 
I also I pulled out hand warmers. Um, my crew gave me hand warmers at one point, and I threw them on the on the back of the glove liners on the back of my hand, and I just forgot they were there. So I don't know if the glove liners were enough, but with the hand warmers, it was just perfect. Awesome. So, um, and then as far as nutrition goes, um, I was not sure what to expect. I've done a lot of training on using gels and and the endurance chew type stuff. Um, I like to use I use goo products a lot, and my stomach was used to that, so I used a lot of goos, a goo brand gels and goo brand goo chomps and. Um, but when I got to aid stations, I would just eat whatever I could find that sounded good. I ate almost a whole bag of Doritos throughout the race. I had almost a whole pizza. And you were telling me, cause you don't normally drink soda, but you drink some Coke just for the race. Yeah. At uh, mile 51, I had my first Coke of my life. <laughs> And uh, crazy. it was phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> what do they put in that stuff? <laughs> I and I don't. I'm not a. Even now, if I drink it, I don't think it tastes all that great. But at the time, 51 yeah, miles in, I was tired. It was getting dark. It was kind of cold. I drank some, and it just perked me right up. And it tasted good, good calories. And I drank from mile 51 to the end. I probably drank. I don't know. I filled my 21 ounce bottle up. Eight, probably eight times with Coke and drink. I, I mean, you don't I, mess around your first no, time. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, oh, wow. yeah, I, I can hold my Coke. That's for sure. So, um, That's pretty good for a beginner. Yeah. But anyway, I, uh, so that kept me perky all throughout the night and kept me going. And, and, uh, what was interesting is when the morning, when the sun came up the next morning, um, things warmed up. I switched back to Gatorade. I was had been using Gatorade earlier the day before, and as soon as I started drinking Gatorade, I started dozing off and getting tired on the trail. And I was jogging along the trail, dozing like falling asleep. And like a sugar crash from the Gatorade, maybe. Yeah, I don't know and, what it and was. The lack of the you know, and the crash from the, the caffeine come the, down too. Yeah, and so then I after that after I was falling asleep, I drank some more Coke, right awake again. <laughs> so. Um, but it works wonders. But yeah. I talk, they sell yeah, a lot of that stuff, I hear. I talked to some friends who had done these, and they said, you know, I'm not a Coke drinker, but drink some Coke on your on your race. It'll make it so much better. And sure enough, it did. So. You were toying around also with uh, footwear because you didn't quite know exactly what to do. Um, on your shorter training runs, I know you wear Ultra Lone Peaks. What what did you wear? What do you think would work for best for hundreds? And what was... What was everybody else wearing? What was surprising to me, all of my friends that I talked to, they suggested hokas. Uh-huh. Um, I was surprised at how many people there were not wearing hokas. I thought that everybody would be. Um, I wore Lone Peaks for the first 50 miles and then hokas for the last 50. Um, but I trained in Lone Peaks and I hadn't trained in hokas. A friend gave me a pair just a couple days before the race, never running them. Wasn't really sure what to expect, but I brought them just in case I wanted extra padding. The Lone Peaks were were great for the first 50 miles, but by that time my feet were getting a little sore and I wanted some extra padding, so I swapped over to the Hokas. And the Hokas did the trick. Um, they were pretty comfortable, but they do have a 6 mil drop, whereas I was used to a zero drop shoe. And, and uh, I, think it, I think it pounded my joints a little bit more than I was used to because it... It changed the way I normally run, and so 
Um, by the end, my joints were really, really sore. And were, I don't know if it would have been different or not with a different shoe, but... Yeah, you were limping a little. You were pretty sore, but you made it. You finished, so congratulations. You're the finisher of uh, your first 100-mile run race, the Bear 100, which I've read blogs from other people who say that it's one of the hardest they've ever done from ultra runners who run these things all the time. Yeah, I mean... I, f- I hear that it's not as hard as Wasatch, um, but I talked to a few people after this race that said this one in particular because of the weather and the yeah. elements and was harder than any Wasatch they'd done. Um, I I enjoyed the nasty weather. That's kind of, I'm in my element and that type of stuff. I like to climb and, and uh, mount, do a lot of mountaineering and stuff. So that, that kind of energized me, I guess, where it... it ruins everybody else's day it kind of made mine so well and not only that well i mean we're sort of you know making fun of the fact that you you know kind of go from couch to 100 but what you are used to doing is 24 hour plus out in the backcountry alpine type adventures right like backpacking or or climbing in the teton so that wasn't that didn't really affect you as much right yeah i've I've gone on climbing trips where we go for 24 to 48 hours straight without sleep. They're suffer fest, but I'm used to that. And so, yeah, that aspect, I think um, a lot of people that go into hundreds have never suffered for that long before, and I had, and so that helped. Um, It really didn't feel to me as bad as everybody was telling me it was going to be. It didn't feel like as much suffering as I was expecting it, but I think it's because I'd I'd done it before. At least I'd suffered before. Um, it was hard. It took me 34 hours and 50 minutes. The cutoff is 36. So 36 hours. If I were to do it again, I would love to train hard, go back and do it in under 30 hours or under 24 hours. Just that extra 12 hours on your feet, um, over 24 hours, that that uh, make a big difference to finish that much earlier. So if I do it again, I'd like to finish much faster. And, For sure. But uh, but one thing I've I've come to I've come to the conclusion that the body can do so much more than we allow it to. Um, it's our mind that kind of keeps us from from doing what what we're really capable of doing. So this for me, when I signed up for it, I was pretty confident I could finish if I could tell my mind to just keep going. Um, but this this experience really taught me that that's that's true. Um, we can we can set our mind to something as long as as our mind is willing, our body can do incredible things. And uh, I, th- I think a lot of people, because of fear or, or whatever the reason is, don't allow themselves to reach their full potential physically. Yeah, just self-imposed boundaries. Yeah, I think right. you hit on it before where those thoughts just never even enter your head. It makes right. a huge difference. Yeah, you just can't even, can't even let doubt into your mind. As soon as it does, it'll eat at you until you finally give up. But if you just... If you just don't even let it enter your mind, then it works out. So. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, congratulations, your first bear, 100. And uh, I know you got a free pair of Vasks coming to you as a congratulatory <laughs> finish. So nice job, and uh, thanks for chatting with us here on the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show. You are listening to the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show podcast on Gear 30 Radio. Adventure for your ears. Shop Gear 30 premier mountain equipment and improve your outdoor experience. Gear 30.